0: Thank you for listening to the Collective Church podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. We have uh, kind of a different and a special Sunday today as we're gonna be talking about mental health and the church. And we have a special guest with us, but before I introduce her, I want to kind of share with you all the why. Like, why are we having this conversation? And over the last four weeks, we've been in a series called Half-Hearted, which has been about Jonah. And last week, CT, who was teaching, uh, read in Jonah 4.3 an interaction between Jonah and God. And this is what Jonah said. He said, "'Just kill me now, Lord.'" I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And while it's easy to look at that story, and maybe you grew up in the church and you kind of heard that story, and look at that as Jonah's just being kind of stubborn, right? Maybe you've heard that he's being dramatic. But the truth is, it's more than likely that he struggled with mental health. Jonah saying the words, I would rather be dead, is actually a warning sign for suicide. And our, our teachers here know that, our social workers here know that. I've actually made my staff go through a Maryland behavioral health seminar on this topic because we need to know how to care for people well. And so the truth is we see this in Jonah and we kind of gloss it over, but he probably struggled with mental health. we read in Jonah one that there's a moment when the storm's raging and he's asleep down below. And I said that it's less likely that he was tired, but more likely that he had depression. So instead of skipping these verses and chalking them up as hyperbole, we're going to talk about mental health today. And while you all know, like we're advocates of mental health and counseling, we support the Mental Health Association every first quarter of the year. Um, I've talked to you before. I go to counseling. I've been going to counseling for four years. Um, You would not like this church pre-Michael going to counseling, trust me. (laughs) Um, I went for a very long time every single week because I knew I needed stuff to work on, and I still go regularly regularly. I have a special counselor that works with lead pastors because he knows and he's a counselor and we talk all the time. And so while we talk about it often, what we thought today was that it would actually be better to bring up a mental health professional so that they can talk about uh, mental health counseling in the church. And to, so to help with us that today, we're actually bringing up one of the counselors that we currently partner with. Um, Lori Oakes is a local Christian counselor and is the number one counselor that we suggest when people reach out to us. So go ahead and give it up for Lori. Now, as she gets settled, um, and before we kind of move on to the interview, uh, I kind of want to give a little bit of a disclaimer for today. Um, So this is just the beginning of the conversation for us, okay? I know and I feel this burden that at some point uh, we need to do a whole sermon series on mental health. And so this is just like the first step in that. The second thing is this is not a counseling session, okay? And I, I've like made fun of people before who like retweet c- counselors and like feel like they're woke. Like that's not what this is, okay? Like so, so we're glad you're here, but right now it's all about next steps. And so the goal for us today as a church is to slowly start to bring down some of those walls and those stigmas about mental health and to help those of you who feel like you're in a place where you need to take a next step, take a next step. And so here's how you can do that today. Lori will be in the lobby after service. You can certainly talk to her if you would like. Um, Extroverts, that'll be you. Uh, Introverts who are like, nope, all you have to do is write down mental health on your connection card, and we will follow up with you this week with multiple resources. Because the truth is, if we look at this room right now, if every single person decided, I I need to go see Lori, it'll take a little while, okay? And so we partner with other organizations to trust, and I know your guys' stories, okay? It'll take a long time. Um, But uh, we also have wonderful resources. The second thing is this, this burden that we feel for counseling and specifically Christian counseling in Frederick is really high. And one thing, the thing that Lori has told us is that um, there's a need for people in counseling to do this. And so if you happen to be someone that's in counseling or you're working that way towards getting your degree in social work and you're interested in doing Christian counseling, you have to talk to Lori after service because we need more people like you to be partnering with her, okay? So you have two options for that. Write mental health on your connection card or go talk to Lori after service. Uh, And so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to ask Lori a bunch of questions um, in order for her to kind of share a little bit more about counseling and Christian counseling um, and really like what the Bible teaches about it today. And so we're going to start with this. Um, I know I've given a brief uh, description and kind of shared a little bit about who you are, but share a little bit more about who you are and what you do.
1: Okay, hi guys, I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you today. My name's Lori, I am a board certified professional Christian counselor. I'm also a licensed LCSWC mental health therapist. I've had an LCSWC for almost 20 years. Um, I own a small private practice inside the First Baptist Church at Green Valley, and I specialize in doing marriage, individual, family counseling, as well as clinical supervision. I've worked in child welfare, psychiatric hospitals, residential facilities, eating disorder units, special education schools, but my absolute favorite is outpatient mental health. I'm also a wife, married to my best friend, uh, my biggest fan, and the world's best spaghetti and meatball maker. (laughs) Um, I'm also a mom, I have five kids, and we have a blended family of eight. Our youngest is 10, our oldest are launched. And one day I am going to write a book about going to Sam's and Costco, literally three times a week, pulling a cart so full it looks like a doomsday shop. <laughs>
0: um, and Lori mentioned that part of her family is here today. And so just on behalf of Collective, thank you guys for being here um, and real, really just sharing your mom with us so that we can have this conversation. Um, we know you guys are busy and you got to go to Costco. <laughs> so um, we're just thankful for you guys to be with us today. So talk to us about Christian counseling. like. What specifically does it take to become a Christian counselor?
1: Okay, so the obvious, you have to have a life committed to Jesus and have accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior. Um, But let's talk about what it takes to become a board-certified professional Christian counselor. It's kind of a rigorous process. So first off, you have to have a master's or a doctoral degree and clinical counseling experience and a fully independent license um, to practice. Outside of that, you need pastoral references, 60 credits in theology and biblical caregiving, and then there's a detailed examination to look into the counselor's fruit in their daily walk. Um, We're evaluated on our character, our relationships, and our lifestyle. A board-certified professional Christian counselor is also required to continue taking classes every year, um, every year that they hold that license, and to continue to show fruit in their walk every year that they hold that title. So if someone's going to invest the time and energy to do that, you you can believe it means something to them.
0: Yeah, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted Lori to say all that is because I wanted you guys to know, like, this is legit. Right, Lori loves Jesus, but it's not like she woke up one day and said, I love Jesus, therefore I need to counsel people. Right, And the truth is, some of you have experienced that before in the church. Um, a, a lot of my friends who, who do pastoral stuff like feel the need, this burden to counsel. But the thing is, like, we are incredibly unqualified to do it. But like, you read and you hear all those things that Lori has gone through so she can be at a place where she can counsel people, and it's legit. And so it's not one of those church things where we just like decide to do it and kind of make it up. Like this is real. She's been through it. Um, it's not just schooling, but also a faith, which, which really matters. So what's the difference between Christian counseling and non-Christian counseling?
1: Well, easy. The difference is Christ.
0: Yeah. Always no. the right answer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but no, let's take it a step deeper. So, Christian counseling is unique in that it incorporates a spiritual dimension, biblical truth, and a seeking of God's will in a person's life. By using biblical concepts in counseling, we can gain specific direction and accountability. A Christian counselor will use faith and the Bible in their counseling approach and give you advice based on God's word. And you know that that is based on priorities like God, spouse, family. Okay, where are the husbands out there today? Raise your hands.
0: Thank you for raising your hand. I told her, she was like, what if they don't raise their hands? Like, then I'm gonna have to make fun of them. Okay, so so
1: husbands, like, if you, let's say you hit a bump in the road and you don't know who you should put first. Is it your mother or your wife? Yikes. A Christian counselor will know it is not your mother. Um, That's good.
0: (laughs) Write that down, people.
1: All joking aside, a Christian counselor will first help you discern, is this consistent with the will of God, and does it honor God? Second, a Christian counselor will know the responsibility or priority next in line comes to the spouse, and then next in line comes to the family. If you go to a non-Christian counselor, their advice and recommendations might be based on the lens of their experience and their perspective, whatever that may be. Their priorities could be more in line with today's culture, today's norms, or social standards, whereas the Christian approach is going to guide a person based on Scripture. Okay, Pastor Michael, consider this analogy. Imagine going to a church where the pastor never read the Bible. What What is he teaching you? Do you want this person to help you guide relationships and major decisions? Their heart might be in the right place, but it doesn't mean they're going to give you advice based on your values. That's why you need to see a Christian counselor.
0: And this is this is really important, okay? So you have to figure out as, as you seek out counseling, like foundationally what matters the most to you. Because the truth is that like the reason why we talk about Christian counseling is because the foundation is Jesus. Right? You know that value. You know that if you are wrestling with something or struggling with something, you can go back to the Bible and you can read it again and again and again. You can find out sermons on it. You can read books about it. And so for us, the reason why we suggest Christian counselors is because it comes from a place of trust and a place of understanding of the care that they offer. The care that Lori offers is in line with the care that we encourage people to receive and the care that we try to also give people. The other thing is this. If you are not a follower of Jesus, which is totally great. We have plenty of people here that are wrestling with Jesus, wrestling with the church, wrestling with all of these things. You can still go to a Christian counselor, okay? It's, It's the same thing as going to church, right? You can show up and be loved and cared for. The main thing that you need to understand is foundationally, the values of that person come from God, right? They don't come from their own experience. They don't come from what's new in the the world of counseling. You know, to be honest, they don't come from their own values. The thing that they think are the most important for your life, it's Jesus. And so for us, that's why we suggest Christian counseling, because we think that is what is best for you because of the values that Jesus has. So what role does Jesus, the Bible, and the church play in how you personally help people?
1: Well, first... And I I want to stress this. Wholeheartedly, I believe that Jesus is the healer. And I think that's really important that we don't lose sight of that. Um, In my work with folks, I will oftentimes prescribe interventions to help them strengthen their faith, to help draw them closer to Jesus, to receive his comfort, his peace, and his healing. Um, My office is located inside of a church. Uh, I wanted to be in God's house. I I, I felt like it gave comfort to the people that, that I was seeing. Um, and an example, uh, if I'm working with an adolescent, oftentimes parents driving, and a parent will sit in the quiet sanctuary, read scripture, pray, or just be still. Um, anyone who's worked with me knows that the Bible is a pretty big part, integral part of the work that we do. Uh, a few summers ago, it seemed like more than half of the referrals I were getting were for some form of adultery or an adultery-related problem. I spent several weeks researching biblical approaches that were effective, talking with mentors, and then developing a 14-step approach to healing based on biblical principles. This was really intense work with weekly homework assignments. But it focused on the healing and healing the betrayal and rebuilding the relationship from ground zero. When appropriate, I will draw uh, parallels from stories and lessons in the Bible, and very often I'll contrast current culture uh, with truth and principle in the Bible. Um, I will email folks spiritual food, things like Pastor Rick Warren's daily devotional or an audio sermon from Dr. Charles Stanley or a parenting lecture from Liberty University or an excerpt on how to strengthen communication. Um, I've been known to take screenshots from my morning Bible reading and send that off to folks who I know are clinically grappling with that issue um, as the Holy Spirit stirs me. And then last but not least, I absolutely pray for the folks that I'm working for.
0: Yeah, and that's, if there is one thing you you could walk away with from today, um, as you wrestle with like finding a counselor or a Christian counselor, um, wouldn't it be great to have someone that every single day prayed for you? You know, we say it from stage every week. When you write down your prayer requests, our leaders will pray for you. But outside of the church, it's hard to find that. Um, And there's something really special about someone who does their job in a way that it matters to them. Like your health matters to them. Your marriage matters to her. Like your life matters to Lori to the point where like you're a part of her prayers. And I can't overstate how important that is to find people in your life who will do that even outside of, you know, this room right now or the leaders of, of this church. So why would you suggest someone go to a Christian counselor?
1: There's a lot of reasons that someone could see a Christian counselor Um, job loss, grief, trauma, uh, parenting challenges, preparing for a marriage, uh, marriage issues, communication problems, relationship issues. Really, just any time somebody's going through a hard time. When we make the decision to follow Jesus, we are not guaranteed an easy, stress free life. In fact, it is quite the opposite. Um, We are told that in this world we will have troubles but that we shouldn't fear because Jesus has already overcome the world and he's with us. So if we know we're going to have troubles um, and we know the Bible says to bear one another's burdens, doesn't it make sense to seek out somebody who believes that and who lives that out every day? Somebody who's steeped in humility um, and somebody who has a deep desire to grow in Christ throughout the rest of their life and who can help you apply God's wisdom to your situation.
0: And I think, you know, it's important what Lori said in the beginning, like, when we think about counseling, a lot of times we think it has to be something where, you know, we might be in the Jonah scenario where he says out loud, like, I'd rather be dead. And we, all, we often wait until that point before we seek out help. But you mentioned job loss and grief and trauma, divorce, preparing for marriage, parenting challenges. Like, there are way, like, a wide array of, array of things that get us to a place where we need help. And the truth is, like, part of today and part of this discussion is hopefully you getting to a place where you realize, hey, something doesn't feel right. Something's, like, not sitting right in my soul. There's a lack of peace. Um, maybe I need some help, right? Because it doesn't have to be, like, the last possible moment before you reach out to someone. It could be the first, the first moment you realize that something's going on in your marriage or in your family or in, or in your life. Um, so part of the reason why we're having this discussion today and, and doing it this style is because we've realized that um, the church struggles to embrace the topic of mental health, of counseling. Um, I, I know for us, the first time we ever mentioned that we partnered with the Mental Health Association, um, we had an overwhelming amount of emails and text messages that week just saying, I like being in a church that will say the word mental health. So why do you think the, strugg- the church has struggled to really embrace mental health and counseling?
1: Well, I think, um, I think historically it's because it's fallen on church staff and they absolutely have a heart to help, but they just might not know how. And then I also think that there's like a negative stigma associated with getting help and that people feel really isolated in their problems. Um, I know one thing I've heard so many times is I never imagined I'd be in this situation. Um, so, so I think that people do feel really isolated. And I also think that there's people that feel like, well... I've been praying and, and I thought I could pray my problems away, but that's just not working.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I think it's like that point, is just really important to know, like going to a counselor does, that mean, does not mean you lack faith, right? Like going to a counselor after praying for a while or trying to read your Bible, like it doesn't mean you lack the faith to do what you need to do to, to be well, right? It just means you need help. And the truth is, the sooner we're able to say, hey, I need help, the better it'll be. The issue becomes, a lot of times, and, and, and Lori said it, like, I'm not qualified to do that, right? My, my staff are not counselors. Um, we love you, and we want what's best for you. Um, but if you come to us with issues beyond our scope and our reach, it will be, hey, we're gonna pray for you and connect you to the right person. And so part of that is, like, we as a community have to be okay with that. Like, we as a group have to start to let that stigma Disappear. Um, so, when it comes to you know kind of these walls that are put up and um, the way that we do feel maybe about counseling or our mental health, what impact do you think that has on our faith by putting those walls up and kind of kind of keeping it at arm's length?
1: I think that the feelings of guilt and shame cause people to pull away from other people and also pull away from church. But I think that keeps us stuck in our stuckness. If stuckness even a word. Um, <laughs> it is here, you're
0: fine. I think that the yeah. better
1: approach is to have or adapt an understanding that everybody's going through something. But when we go through it together as a community of believers, we gain strength, we overcome, and we grow. And when you become a believer, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. So if the Holy Spirit is giving you the nudge to seek out help, listen to that nudge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so the Bible talks a lot about mental health. And, you know, I joke all the time, like, hey, you should read the Bible sometime because it's, like, really good. And it talks about a wide array of things. It talks about a ton of different topics, about mental health. And so um, what I want to do is I want to focus on three of them today, and they're really small. Um, DJ mentioned uh, our collectives always talk about the sermon uh, in the following week. If you are in a collective, you're going to talk about these three topics. If you're not in a collective... You should get in one so you can talk about these three topics, okay? That'll be a really good first step for you. Um, But the Bible teaches a ton about mental health. We can spend hours on it, which is why we'll do a series sometime soon. Um, But let's start with this. What does the Bible teach about mental health and the topic of self-care?
1: So the Bible tells us to practice good self-care. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We just talked about how the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. Um, so, we are told to honor God with our bodies. He has designed us, and he knows what's best for us. So, if we trust him, we can rely on God to help us keep our path straight. In the Ten Commandments, we are instructed by God to observe a Sabbath. This means a day of rest, refreshment, and worship. Good job, guys, being here today. Um, our culture, however, encourages us, encourages us to be plugged in, productive, and constantly connected and while that might be great for businesses and corporations, I'm not convinced it's so good for our spirit. We recover from burnout, fatigue, and stress by embracing God's rest. Sometime back in January, I think you preached on the idea of breathing room or margin. Yep. And that message was brutally honest and vulnerable. And if anybody didn't hear it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, but you spoke about how so many of us are cramming one more thing, one more meeting, event, sure, class, project, commitment, one more thing into our already overcrowded lives. The result is fatigue, frustration, and feeling like we're letting people down because we can't give her all to everything because we're trying to do everything. Um, God wants you guys to stop one day a week to rest. The idea of building in space and breathing room and just be still and know that God's in charge. The idea that we need to get rid of one thing in our life to create more margin. So we have time and space for something great to be
0: born. I'm going to brag about Lori for a second. Um, Not many people that come into churches and, like, guest speak or or share um, actually, like, check out the church before they go. And um, it just speaks to the quality of person that Lori is and that she knows what we're talking about. And she knows what we're teaching, and, and over the course of a few years since I've known Lori, uh, when we do get the talk, she's like, hey, you talked about this topic? I'm like, yeah, we did talk about that topic. And so I want you all to know, like, part of that is not just me saying, hey, say this really cool thing so it sounds like you're really connected. Um, it, again, it shows to you the character of Lori and why we recommend her first because it's not just about counseling, it's about her figuring out how to help you take the right steps. And she knows if you go to Collective, one of the ways is trying to figure out like, what are we teaching? Like, what are you you wrestling with here? And how to lean into that a little bit more.
1: Thanks, Pastor Michael. I love listening to your sermons.
0: That's weird, but it's cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I recently heard another local pastor tell a story in Luke 5, 12, where Jesus heals a leper. The leper saw Jesus, fell with his face to the ground, And begged him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reaches out and touches the leper, and immediately immediately the leprosy left him. But Jesus tells the leper not to tell anyone to go and show himself to a priest, which was customary in those times. Yet somehow the news of Jesus healing this leper had spread, and crowds began to draw near to Jesus. But the Bible says Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Even Jesus took a time out. I mean... He's Jesus. Certainly, he could have healed all the lepers. But Jesus, our example, didn't do everything he could do. He did everything he should do. Friends, we are supposed to take breaks, create breathing room or margin in our lives.
0: It's one of the reasons why I love Jesus. Because, you know, we do live in this extroverted culture. And that's just kind of the, the world. But Jesus has those moments where he's an introvert. Right where he takes a step away to be by himself and be refreshed and be filled up. Um, So the next one is, what does the Bible teach about anxiety?
1: Oh, anxiety. What a big one. This affects more and more people every year. I was just reviewing some research from the American Psychological Association that cited a 52% increase in the symptoms of anxiety and depression among young people today and a 63% increase in young adults ages 18 to 25, And those percentages are compared to percentages in 2005. So in the last 15 years, that's a pretty significant increase in anxiety and depression. The study linked this increase to three things. An increase in digital media use, a decrease in social face-to-face interaction, and the fact that people are getting less sleep. But I tend to think God already knew that anxiety was going to be a pretty big issue for us. Because do you know what the number one most, command, most repeated commandment in the Bible is? God tells us, do not be afraid and fear not. So many of our daily worries revolve around some kind of fear about what's going to happen. Anxiety consumes so much of our energy. Will he be okay on that trip? Can I ever forgive my siblings? What does God want me to do in this situation? What is the medical test going to say? Will the addiction get worse? Am I making the right decision? Am I going to see my loved one in heaven? All these questions swirl around in our heads, and to each one, God tells us to turn to Him in prayer and trust. I love it when the culture we live in starts to buzz and become popular by recommending things that, like, the Bible's told us for thousands of years. Um, some of you might know Brene Brown, she is a research professor at the University of Texas. Uh, sorry, University of Houston, and she's also a writer. She's published a lot on courage and vulnerability. And Brene Brown did a talk and shared about how she felt anxiety as she's preparing and watching her daughter going to prom. She told a really great story about her daughter's senior prom night and how she was nervous that her daughter would get in a car accident, but not wanting to ruin the moment, She stood at the front porch, waving and saying, I'm so grateful. Have fun, honey. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this moment. Have a great time. Drive careful. I'm so grateful. And meanwhile, her husband and her son are looking at her like she's crazy. But she was helping herself find joy. She was practicing gratitude. We were hearing about the story of Jonah. Um, The last words of Jonah just before the fish barfs him up on the beach was, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. The Bible says, in all things, give thanks. That means not just in the good times, but also in the storm. When you're worried, when you're frustrated, when you're scared and your daughter's going to senior prom. In our humanness. And I believe the reason is that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so when we take our focus off of our circumstances and instead look to Him, the way He's blessed us, His work in and through us, the opportunities He's given us, it is impossible for our hearts to inhabit Feelings of guilt, shame, and anxiety, and his perfect peace at the same time. If you struggle with anxiety, I invite you to make a new practice of looking for treasures inside of your trials.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's Jonah too, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago. He was in that moment where he thought, like, I'm dead. Like, there's nothing I can do to get out of this. And instead of, you know, kind of letting it happen to him, he began to repent. He began to turn toward God and praise God for what he had done and praise God for the fact that God is a God of salvation even though he thought he was going to die in that moment so the last one what does the bible teach about self-worth and our self-image
1: okay so solomon like the wisest man who ever lived wrote in proverbs 23:7 a man thinketh in his heart so is he it's basic human nature to behave in a way consistent with the way you see yourself but God keeps saying the same things to us, his children, over and over. I want to share a little observation with you about the words God uses in the Old and New Testament to describe the believer. Check out the words God uses to describe us. Chosen, royal, peculiar, beloved, salt, light, predestined, above and not beneath, not a conqueror but more than a conqueror, anointed, the head and not the tail, set apart, Lenders and not borrowers. God uses these words to tattoo your heart with distinction. He wants you to get that you're distinct.
0: This church likes the tattoo part, so that's uh, (laughs) um, so kind of getting it back to us, right? Because we can have this conversation, um, and and like I said, we can it can keep going. But turning this toward us and collective as a church, how can we as a church continue to help people work on their mental health with consistency?
1: I think the church is oftentimes the first point of contact when a person experiences a crisis. I believe the church has a responsibility to help its members find a qualified and knowledgeable person with an empathetic heart, Bible-based knowledge, and to find someone to walk with them through their struggle, somebody to show the love and care that Jesus embodied. And I think that the church community should create a safe space where it's okay to talk without judgment and shame. When people feel safe to talk and share their pain, God won't waste their pain. He will give purpose to it. And you will be amazed at how you can be used to light the path to help someone else in a similar
0: circumstance. And for us, like as a church, we, one of our values is you belong here. And every time we talk about it, it's not just this culture of like, hey, you should sit with us. It's a culture of we're going to be real about our brokenness and what God can do through that brokenness. And so for us as a church, it's not just like a tagline that we use. It's not just something that, you know, you're going to see on a shirt one day. Like ultimately it's us admitting out loud, like, hey, I'm messed up. Um, You are too. And it's okay. Like let's, let's do this thing together. And if we continue to be that community, right, if we continue to be that church that's real about their brokenness and what God can do through that brokenness, then we'll continue to be a church that leans in to mental health. Okay. So, off of the church and thinking about the individual, what next steps would you encourage someone to take who has never seen a counselor or feels nervous like to make that call?
1: Oh my gosh, hit me up after church. I do this for a living. Um, but I understand that the first step is truly the hardest. So um, I just want to let you know, I truly feel it is my privilege to walk with people through some of their hardest trials and that it absolutely helps to bear one another's burdens. Uh, My direct email will be available after church. If you're more comfortable reaching out that way, Um, you can talk to the staff here. They have my my contact, and they can help you connect. Um, And if all of that still feels a little too scary, just pray on it. Ask the Holy Spirit. And if you continue to get that nudge, reach out.
0: Yeah, here's your nudge. Go to counseling, okay? (laughs) Some of you are here today because you wanted to hear this conversation. Um, That's your nudge. Right? like You saw us post about it, you saw us talk about it, and you're thinking, I need to hear this. Do not walk out of this place today going, all I needed to do was hear about it. Right? It's okay to take that step. So last thing, do you have anything else that you want to share with Collective and uh, our church today?
1: I just want to let anybody out there who's going through a hard time to know that they don't have to go through it alone. James 3.2 says that we all struggle in many ways. We all need help at one point or another, and it's okay to ask for help. And that is the start of a beautiful process, one that I am privileged to witness and one that I am so excited about. I literally have the best job in the world. I get to a front row seat to watch God transform, heal, restore many things that many of you might have thought were impossible. God positions people to help us in our messes. His power is perfected in our weakness. All we have to do is ask for help. And when God's in charge of bringing you through it, whoa, it is amazing because later on down the road, you might just find yourself helping somebody else the way that God helped you. God never ever wastes our pain. He gives purpose to it. That's great.
0: So here's the deal. We wanna be a church that talks openly about mental health. um, And this community will not shame you or judge you because of what you're going through. But like Lori said, and like I mentioned a little bit earlier, you've gotta find the right people. You gotta find the qualified people. I am not a counselor, okay? I took one counseling class in college. I don't remember anything. I didn't buy the book, okay? I just thought I was sitting and talking to people, which is not something I'm even good at. My staff are not counselors, okay? So, part of our ability to love and lead you well is connecting you to the right people, and Lori is one of those people. And that's why we're so thankful for the work that she does. And so I want to give it up for Lori, say thank you to her.
1: Thank you, guys.
0: And I want to thank you all for listening today. Um, Because we recognize that, like, this is church, and, and a lot of you are like, Collective is my church home. But even saying I'm coming today to talk about mental health, that is a step right? Like you all took a step today toward getting help that you might need or that you've been wrestling with. So thank you guys for listening. Um, More importantly, thank you for letting us be a church that's real about our brokenness and real about our mess and can talk about heavy topics and can talk about mental health and and the struggles that we have um, because that's special, right? The church is the most beautiful thing in the world, but only when we allow it to be the most beautiful thing in the world. And part of that is vulnerability and courage and honesty to talk about these things. And so I hope today is a day where you can take a step. Um, And I just want to reiterate that again. Lori will be in the lobby after service. You can talk to her. Um, But if if you're not there yet, just write down mental health on your connection card, and our staff will follow up with you this week because we want to help you get the help that you need. And the thing is, you know, the whole entire time we're praying for you, we're here for you, we're going to help you find the right person. We're going to help you, you know, get there and, and, and explore what you need to explore. But you've got to find the right person, and, and that's why Lori's here today. And so um, I'm going to pray, and then what we're going to do is we're going to take communion together, and then we're going to sing one song to close out today. So let's pray. God, thank you so much that, um, to be honest, that we don't have to pretend like we're okay. God, that as we read the Bible and as we, as we see who you are Um, God, we recognize that our mental health matters. And God, you try to teach us certain things in our life so that we can have a better self-image, that that we have less anxiety. Um, God, you try to teach us things through the story of Jonah all the way uh, to to Paul. Um, God, about margin and rest and taking breaks. Um, God, I I just pray that as a church, um, we can continue to talk about this topic. And really the biggest thing is that we can continue to talk about our brokenness so that we can figure out how to best love and care for this community. God, not just this church, but the entire county of Frederick, this entire state who needs help beyond what a pastor can offer. So God, I pray today is a day where people take steps. God, I pray people who are nervous write down mental health so that they can get the help that they need so that we can support them and pray for them as they go through that process. But ultimately God, I just pray that through everything, the one thing that we learn today God, is that you care about how we are doing. God, not just spiritually, but mentally as well. And I pray that we take steps today to lean into that. God, we thank you and we love you. and pray these things in your name, Amen. amen.